Welcome to the Kelly Cardio's podcast where attitude is everything. On today's show, we're going to be completely serious. There's no laughing. This is not a laughing matter at all. This young man has been smiling since the time that we got on the call and it's been incredible. He's infectious. I got a chance to see him perform in Nashville a couple years ago. And it was life-changing. I mean, I don't really like having friends like him, though, because they show me that anything in the world is possible, that I should have a good attitude all the time, and that, you know, no matter what my circumstance is, that there's someone out there that is struggling with something and they're working through it and they're performing at a higher level. That's why I don't like to hang out with him. So I, I hang out with him a little bit of time and uh, I wanted to spend time with him today because he's such an inspiration. Um, he's a speaker. He's a, a coach to, to people. But most of all for me, he's an inspiration. He's a, a, a musician, an incredible, incredible musician. And his band that travels all over, Jeremiah James and The Revival, these guys are absolutely phenomenal and also Slade does his own projects um but please welcome to the show the man the myth the guy that I don't like that much because he makes me feel bad about getting mad about anything in life and Mr. Slade Heller welcome to the show brother thanks so much Kelly it's a privilege and an honor to be with you today <laughs> so I asked you if there was anything off limits and this is this is the thing that I think a lot of times people shy away from right so I remember seeing you for the first time, like, you know, and seeing you play. You play the drums a little bit different than anybody else in the world. Um, only one other person I've ever seen play the drums like you. And it was a formidable time in my life. It was probably seventh, eighth grade. Um, you know, hair bands were big. And Def Leppard was on the scene. And their drummer has something in common with you. It's the mullet that you have right now. I'm just joking with you. Um, but you're a drummer. And you only have one hand, okay? And so it's a, it's a different way of going about it. Can we, before we get into the drumming part, can you talk about that? Because again, I think a lot of times when a person sees someone who's a little bit different, maybe uh, doesn't have one limb, like one leg or, you know, one foot or uh, one arm or whatever it is, they have the tendency to just look at the ceiling and act like they don't see it. And what I was taught very early on is let's talk about it. Because if I act like I don't see it, I think that that's more offensive than me asking you the question. Do you agree with that or am I off? I do. As a matter of fact, I love working with kids because when kids come up to me, they're just all, you know, it's all right out in the open. They've got, no, they've got nothing holding back. No one, but they don't, they don't have that programming that, you know, tells them what etiquette is necessarily. So they're right away. They want to know exactly what it was, what happened, why you're, why you're that way, how you drum. So, that's a lot of fun. And uh, of course, adults can be a little uh, uh, uncomfortable bringing it up, but I can tell, you know, usually when someone wants to ask me about it and I am, you know, that's, that's what I do now. You know, I'm, I'm out in the, in the light sharing it with everyone. So of course I never mind talking about it, but it is funny to see the uh, interesting, unique ways that people bring it up, you know, but, uh, but it is great to, to talk about it. I, uh, I was born that way. And uh, when I was younger, I used to, you know, I, I knew that I was different. Um, you know, I was always felt pretty sociable, but I had a little insecurity, of course, about, I knew that there was something different about me. I, and, you know, I would go through lots of, lots of times in my life where I would hide it away, especially early along, early on, you know, I, I have just enough length of my arm that I could like put it in my pocket, like, so that you couldn't really see. Um, cause I, I noticed at an early age, everyone looking, you know, everyone seeing and pointing and checking it out. So, when you're younger, you kind of want to blend in a little more. And, but 
as I began to um, find my voice with mu- music and play different instruments and, you know, really uh, had a strong tendency to drumming and found unique ways to play. And I can talk about how, how I learned to do that. Then I started to get noticed for it. So it, it was amazing to go through this transformation of hiding away something and feeling shameful about it because it made me different, trying to blend in, trying to find a way to be like everybody else, still having that unique tendency and, you know, proclivity to everything I approach, especially physically with sports and activities. But then going through some internal transformation and finding that voice and, and then getting recognized for it and, 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 you know, kind of walking with a, a different rhythm to my step, a different feel. And, uh, you know, people would start to recognize me for it. And then it became this shining moment. I feel very blessed for that because a lot of times, uh, you know, the, the things that we find that make ourselves unique and different, um, they, a lot of people go through that where it feels like a weakness or something that they, they wish they didn't have. And then the more they embrace it, the more they go through life, understanding how that brings, uh, you know, a unique face to the world, a unique expression, then it, 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 it's amazing to have this, uh, this uh, ability to transform it into a shining light for others. And, you know, there's a natural inspiration that happens with it. And I feel really blessed that for me, it's, it's a physical uh, situation because, you know, a lot of times when people see me drum or see me play guitar or do, do something, even just tying my shoes, I've had people approach me and say, wow, like I, I didn't, they say some words of inspiration or that like it changed their life seeing me do something. And, you know, I'm just going about my business. So I'm just doing something I, you know, want to do care like drumming is just fun for me. So I, I feel so blessed to have this physical representation of overcoming challenge and, and turning a weakness into a strength. And a lot of people, when they first see me playing, they, they pick up on that immediately. So it's this perfect open door um, uh, and this gateway to inspiration and to aspiration and to, to being able to connect with someone heart to heart. And, you know, a lot of people will say like, after I've seen you play, now I know I can go do that thing, you know, or I always wanted to do, learn this or, you know, learn to play the flute or guitar or something and, and whatever it is. And so it, it's nice to be that spark. Cause I've been on the receiving end of that spark, seeing someone do something that they totally loved and were in, enveloped in and, and, became everything for them. And to see that come to fruition in someone through an activity is so inspiring and transformative. And it has been that for me. So it's nice to be on both sides of it and see that spark transfer to somebody else. And, and uh, I love that because one thing that I, I love talking about and love as best I can exemplifying for other people is he can do anything. You're here. You, everyone's here with a unique voice. Everyone's here with a unique expression and the ability to embrace that and and commit to it joyously is such a profound experience, not only for yourself, but for other people. So the world is, is changed in this natural, spontaneous, beautiful way just by people being themselves as best they can. So when, when I see someone that like comes up and wants to meet me or like, you know, talk about things, it's like this perfect opportunity to, to let them see how that reflects in them. And, and so I feel really blessed to, to, uh, to have this representation of that be so physical.
This episode is brought to you by one of my favorite companies in the entire world, the Mina Group. As one of the top culinary experiences in the world, celebrity chef Michael Mina and his team are dedicated to giving you what you never knew you always wanted. With 30 locations throughout the world, this company is focused on the one thing that truly matters, their people, and that is why they are your world of wow. Change your life by going to michaelmina.net. Well, Slade, some that you said, we're going to go back to this. I'm, I, I, want to, I want to ask you, you said that people get inspired by you. They come up and say, hey, uh, you know, you inspired me to play the drums, play the, the guitar. But you said the flute. How many times does people come up to you and be like, yo, you inspired me to play the flute? I don't think this happens. I don't know if this has happened in the last year, man. How many times specifically has someone said, I wanted to play the flute and you unlocked that for me, Slade? <laughs> that that's a call out. I, I've talked to a few <laughs> louses lately, but not not in that regard. So it's a good call out. Maybe, that was a, maybe a fringe example that, that I shouldn't use. Quite frankly, no, I love it. I love it, man. Now let's let's go to because I think a lot of times when people hear a story like yours, they're like, okay, yes. You know, he's, he's got a, a, a physical situation that makes him unique, right? And he's got, got that perspective. But they're like, but he doesn't understand. He doesn't understand the things that I'm going through. He doesn't understand people looking at me different. You know, he has this positive attitude. He comes from this different planet. He's a superstar. And he, I mean, guys, listening right now, Slade is not just a drummer. Like, Slade is one of the best. I mean, he's one of the best. And, and to see him play, I mean, he kills it. And some people just write you off because they're like, yeah, yeah, you're inspirational. Yeah, yeah, all this stuff. But you have the golden horseshoe. Slade, let's go back to young Slade. Let's go back to insecure Slade. That when you're, you know, maybe trying to talk to a girl, you got your hand in your pocket. And you know what I'm saying? Like, talk to us about what you were going through during that time before you became this beacon of light that you are. You know what I'm saying? Or did you come out the womb that way? Thanks for those kind words. That's really sweet of you. But no, and I love that. I love that I did. I love that that I went through that whole phase. And there's still, you know, I'm human. There's still times where those old thought patterns crop up when something happens. Um, and I have to reflect back and understand where that came from at that time because there are a lot of seeds that were planted back in those impressionable moments of being young and, and going through those trials and tribulations of, of just what everyone does of trying to fit in and trying to, you know, be yourself, but you know, you feel pulled to, to belong and then try things and peer pressure. I remember all of that. And, and there's still elements of that, that, that are present in, in day-to-day life for me. But what you said there about like that time period um, and how that relates to, you know, people thinking that way, I can tell that when, so there's certain people that have said that to me. And I think because of me doing what I love and when I'm playing, I'm, I'm hopeful that everyone can see it, but if they, you know, if they take me, however, you know, everyone perceives through their own lens. So I'm up there. I'm in it. I, I, I mean, I love what I do. I love playing with Jer. I love playing with the guys we're playing with now that, that I love being on stage. I love expressing myself. So much is happening for me when I'm pl- behind a kit playing drums on stage for a bunch of people. So, you can usually sometimes tell when people come up or they'll even vocalize it. Like you said, like, you know, uh, you, you know, you must've, you know, come from family that really supported you, which I did have a lot of support from family or you'll do things suffer from anything that a lot of other people do. And 
I love being able to talk about that because I do, I have a history of depression and uh, there's been times where I have had really, really low times. Like, and a lot of it had to do with, with feeling different and, and, you know, looking different than everyone and trying to find, you know, my way through the world. Like everybody does, like everybody does. And the beauty of those moments and being able to uh, work with them and work through them and go through the fear of it and, and, uh, and transforming them naturally into something that brings about understanding uh, with yourself is that it translates to, to so many people. Like it still makes it so much easier to relate. Everything I've learned about myself is such an easy translation and relational aspect of talking and being with other people. You know, the whole dynamics of a one-on-one conversation or with a group of people. So when people do uh, think that I love cutting that off right away and be like, look, you know, <laughs> you know, I went through it. I, I, I've been through, I've had suicidal ideation. I've, I've been, been in the depths of depression through many different aspects, not only just with my arm, but with relationships. And, and I'm grateful for it because I grew so much through that. I've learned so much about myself. So when someone does bring it up in that way or talk, talk that way, I can, I can go there right away with them, which is so important because you know, there, there's been times where I was like thought that of other people that, that I were my heroes. I thought, well, maybe, you know, it's a silver spoon thing, you know? And the more I understand about myself and the more I understand about other people is how much of a golden common thread we all have in experience. I mean, we all experience the same emotions. We're all struggling with um, thought patterns and in our relationships and the dynamics of, uh, of success and, you know, how we are represented to other people and to ourselves. And so if you have some understanding of how that shows up in yourself, then it's easy to understand it in other people. And that, that be ability to relate and, and uh, have compassion for them is just one more aspect of a connection that you have with them. So when I do have those conversations with people and we do go there and, and talk about that, then I can feel that. I can feel that strength that's in that connection of, of understanding that, okay, he's there that he does kind of get it. And, and I do, usually I do. I mean, um, I remember there, there was this one guy that came up to me. I went to a private party one time. It was like with an old band that I played with and had a great time playing with these guys and, and just went and did my thing, had a blast. You know, it's fun playing private parties. You know, everyone's having a good time, lots of great food. You know, everyone's just a, really enjoying it. It's a big party. So got done playing and this guy came up to me and well, actually I think it was his friend that introduced us and he came up and he, he, you know, he shook my hand and he gave me a hug and he was started crying and saying that, that he had just recently, he always wanted to play guitar his whole life. And he recently had an accident at work where he cut off some of his fingers and was on the saw. And he was depressed from it and he was very upset and, uh, you know, he was, he was contemplating suicide and he was, and I guess his friends and family had known some, you know, he was struggling with it. And so his friend had, had seen me play somewhere else, heard about me and they lived nearby. So he brought him to this party and he watched me play and he came up to me afterwards and he was crying saying that he was telling me that, you know, you helped save my life, you know, seeing you play, it showed him that there was, there was a way, there was a way to do it. And, 
And I was so glad that you said about playing guitar because there was a guitar there. And I said, well, this is how I do it. So I, I strum with my, my, my left arm. Uh, I have, um, I have wrist action there. So it helps with finger picking and rolls when I'm doing drum rudiments and stuff. But so I showed him how I fret with my right hand, how I basically play the guitar backwards. And then, you know, I handed it to him and he started messing around with it. And, uh, he was, I could see it. You could see the glow, you know, and I know that glow. <laughs> it was amazing that, that it was just wonderful to see someone find that new purpose in something that they longed for and had cut themselves off from, but boom, there was like this, this outward expression of triggering something internally in them to give new life, literally give new life to, to that ability and that joy that they had in them to follow that dream. So that, that happens in different ways with different people. And, uh, I love it. I love being a part of that because I know how much that meant to me and uh, everything that I, I do in the world. And uh, it's a great way to connect with others and understand how much we all have in common. So Slade, how are you able to, thank you for listening to today's episode. I hope you're enjoying it. Uh, now's the time to do some shameless promotion. This episode is brought to you by Squeeze Dried, a delicious, no hassle way to get superfoods, vitamins, and nutrition. Squeezedried.com. It's also brought to you by Cardenas Law Group, a high-level boutique law firm for all your personal injury needs. That's CardenasLawGroup.com. Thank you so much again for listening. Hopefully you're continuing to enjoy the episode. Keep your attitude at the level that it is. And, and literally, like, I, I got the chance to be around you, and I watched you. I watched you when you didn't know I was watching you. The, the, the lights in the, the room were dark. You were on stage. You guys are killing it. I mean, it really brought me to tears. Like, and I'm not saying that because you have one hand and you're a drummer, it brought me to tears. I'm saying your music brought me to tears. I was with my dad. It was an emotional experience. It was just so amazing while I was there. But I'm watching you, dude, and it's like you don't break from joy. Like, and then I watched you at Pinewood Kitchen, and you didn't break from joy. Like, it was, and then I got on the call with you today, and I see you, and I'm like, okay, well, is he going to have a good day, a bad day? No, it's a Slade day all day. <laughs> Talk to us about, and just for the listeners out there, he did say flautist which I've never heard in my entire life. And I guess that's a word that musicians use that inspire people to play the flute. It's a flautist if you become it. I don't know that that's even true, but you used it. And Slade is awesome. So, uh, but back to the story. I think, we, I think the gist of this conversation so far is that we need to expose you to more flute culture. That's what I'm saying. Like, where's the flute culture? Like, the, is there a subculture in flautist oh, world? There. There's the flautist. I mean, <laughs> I, don't get me wrong. I love the flute. I think it's amazing, but I don't know if there's enough flute in bands nowadays. <laughs> Maybe not. You might be right. You might be really pinning something down there. So well, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying let's bring in the keytar. I, I talked to <laughs> I talked to Damien Orn about this. We need a keytar and we need a flute in every band. It would take it to yeah. that next level. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I'll sign the petition. You, you, get a <laughs> you just need to keep giving me these terms, the flautist. And I, I had no idea that this even existed, Slade. You're, you're educating me on a whole nother level. Um, <laughs> I mean, in this way, you, your joy, dude. Okay. 
how did the joy be, was it, was, did your parents tell you stuff? Did they give you those lessons? Did your dad whittle wood on the porch and be, tell you lessons of like, boy, you need to have a good attitude all the time? Like, where does this attitude come from? Well, I, I do have a great family. Yeah. I, so I've been inspired a lot by the support of my family. And, uh, I remember, uh, growing up, um, with my grandmother and my, my um, great uncle Fane, uh, they, they would be, they were the type of people, they, they had music, uh, musical instruments everywhere. All of it, they'd be hanging on the walls and they, and they could play anything. They could just pick up, uh, a ukulele or a P, you know, sit behind a, a piano or, you know, my uncle, great uncle Fane played everything. So the music does run in the blood for sure. So I remember everyone just kind of clapping around and, and dancing around and playing music just spontaneously at different times, getting to get everyone together. So there was a lot of joy in my family growing up. Um, but I think a lot of that, it, it's funny what you said there. I do get that from people pretty regularly that, you know, I just someone, someone said to me the other day, a friend of mine said, uh, you're too happy or you're so happy all the time. She said, uh, didn't anyone ever hurt you? <laughs> I said, of course, of course I've been hurt. From where is it hurt? <laughs> but, uh, but I know that I've found with my own experience that when I was younger and I was going through a lot of depression, a lot of things uh, were suppressed and pushed down and I became an escape artist like so many people do. And I think that's pretty prevalent in with depression and with anxiety is, you know, trying to find some ways to push it down, to cover it up, to, to uh, you know, people get into a lot of addictions that way. And, and that can take so many different forms. And for me, one of the great eye-opening and uh, transformational aspects of my life was finding, um, I, finding meditation and self-inquiry. And really, and, and, and prayer as well. Um, going inward and, and seeing what's there. I, I remember realizing a, a while ago that, you know, I was thinking about happiness and peace and, you know, where all these, these things come from and why it's so fleeting in experience. And I remember having this moment of, you know, what's, I, I just need to, I, I wanted to find out what do I want? What do I, what do I need? What are, what are, what are my needs? What are my desires, goals? And, and I'm thinking, well, all that, has changed a lot over the years. And I was, I wanted to get down to what, what's the root experience of all that. I, I remember just thinking that the least common denominator in all of that is me, is this meanness. So I really wanted to find out who this me was. You know, what, what is this me? Is it my mind? Is it my body? Is it, is it something else? So, so I joined a friend of mine, got me into karate when I was about 12 years old. So I started thinking, I love martial arts. I love UFC. I love getting, I, I ate all that up. And uh, so I studied a few different styles, but my very first uh, karate instructor, uh, he was fantastic. And he, uh, he would always include meditation into all of our sessions at the dojo. So um, it was very quick. It was only a few minutes, but, and at first it was this, you know, un uncomfortable, you know, it's like radio silence, you know, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't, what is this, you know, it would bring up so much in me. And the more that I started like getting into it, kind of really like deepening into that experience, the more it became my favorite part of, of what we were doing. I had a lot of favorite parts. I loved sparring, I loved kata, I loved all of it. But 
But boy, that it laid this deep impression like, what's going on in there? You know, I'm always focused on what's going on out around me and my contribution contribution to the external world. But what about this inner world? What's happening in there? You know, I, I don't really shine much light on that and understand what's happening. And and that at one point, well, that's the least common denominator. That's what's happening in there is is definitely coloring the world around me. And and I wanted to find out more about that. So. So I really delved into meditation. I really delved into prayer and, uh, and um, spent a lot of time uh, in silence and or, or what, what I was aiming for as silence and hearing all the racket, you know, all the, everything, the feel, feeling. Everything. So, so the more I got into that, the more I, um, more of those uh, feelings from that we talked about earlier from the childhood was coming up and, and uh, it's been many decades of meditation now and uh, and doing as best I can with a daily practice of, of mindfulness and Vipassana sitting and, and doing breath work and, and sitting in silence, sitting in nature and really watching that, what's happening on the inside. And the more I watched that, the more I understood what my actions were in the past and, and, and then more I understood of what my actions were and goals and, and desires and, and that passional nature of my emotions how that factored into my journey along the way and, and, and music and my relationships, the more I saw it in other people too. So it, it was, uh, it was this great, great way to, uh, to relate that I didn't expect, you know, the more I understood about myself, the more I was understanding about other people, but it's happening naturally and find it without this desire to be like, what, what is everyone else feeling or how do I relate to other people? So, so what I would do uh, is as I was going through these emotions and finding this inner world, not only entertaining, but, you know, it was a struggle. It was really at first to understand what was really happening. I got to see the intentions behind a lot of my earlier actions and what I was doing with, uh, with poor decisions I was making because we were all goofballs, especially as a teenager. I'm mean, the stupidest stuff. You know, I look back now, my goodness. But the great connection I have now is I can look back and understand why I did the things I did. You know, what was the root, you know, you know, it wasn't for to be accepted or to, you know, to have a sense of pleasure in a moment or, you know, relate to somebody on a level that I wanted to make a connection with, uh, so many different things. And now when I see other people, uh, when, when I talk to other people, when I'm doing the coaching and, and teaching and, and just spending time with other people, I, I get to see how that is expressed through other people. And it's been a fantastic uh, learning mechanism for me to understand what's happening in me so that I can understand what's happening out there with so many other people and being able to compassionately go through feelings and, and journeys with other people. And when when you talk about the, you talk about the uh, having a slave to hair, you know, being, you know, seeming like I'm joyous all the time. The funny thing is, a lot of that did not arise in me until I started really embracing those, those deep, dark places. You know, that it, it was incredible to, to see that, to, to work through some of those dark nights of the soul, those, to go through those really rough patches of understanding why I, you know, held certain images of myself or, you know, wanting to be accepted or, you know, wanting to end my own life, you know, those, those thoughts and those, these emotions that come with that, what they were really rooted in. And, 
when I began to go through those feelings and really feel those feelings and understand them, there, there started to come up this like natural wellspring of joy. Because then when I go through them, I, I tell people a lot when they always ask you, you're always in a good, how are you always in a good mood? And the truth is I'm not, but when I'm in a bad mood, I really, really enjoy it. <laughs> I really love it. You know, and when I, when I get really ticked off about something, I like to take a moment, kind of get myself away from everyone. So I'm not just spewing all over everybody and, you know, have a good yell or like, you know, give a good swear session, you know, or, or, or just like really sit, put my feet up and be like, screw it for a while and really, really enjoy that. And let that be an experience that, that, and that I get to fully go into. And, and it's amazing the energy that comes out of that because, you know, so much of life, when we're dealing with anxiety and depression, we tend to push down and suppress and, and we do that with really good intention, but it, it definitely has an unhealthy consequence to it. So the more I understood that with the help of many people who have taught me and, and, and great, great leaders all over the world and, you know, just the experience of, of having relationships with other people taught me so much about that. But, that really became a key element and what people see as joy all of the time. is really just me just loving every, the moment I'm in, I'm just, this is great. You know, like there's something in me, even if it, even if it looks like I'm sometimes, you know, I'm definitely grumbling around here and, you know, I got to check out with, uh, with, with, with my son and, and my fiance, Emily, they're wonderful, amazing. And they help keep me in check. You know, they could tell when I'm grumbling around, but, I, I do there. I just, I love it. I love, I love that space. Even if it you know, is taking this like annoyed form on the outside, it just, Oh, that's what life is. You know, we're here to have this experience, you know, up and down, right, left, in and out. It's just a, it's, it's wonderful to be able to have the, the uh, inward and outward expression of fully experiencing life. So, that it may look like to others that I'm having a good day every day. Not quite true, but I'm loving what I'm experiencing. And that's usually what people are picking up. So, <laughs> so you said something about peer pressure earlier. And I want to know the worst thing that you did when you, that you did specifically in falling into peer pressure. And I had this happen the other day. I went with my son. My son is nine years old. He's a, like an energy ball. He's incredible. You'll love him. <laughs> him and his boy wanted to go to Sky Zone. Sky Zone's that trampoline park. And yeah. I was like, yo, you know, I'll take him. I'm going to do a little bit of work. I'll sit up on the parent deck. I was watching him. Well, as I'm watching him, I see a couple parents out there jumping with their kids. And I was like, you're not a better parent than me. You know what I'm saying? Like, how are you trying to flex on me right now? You're bouncing with your kid. You're joyous. You're happy. And my kid's over there doing it, but he ain't doing it with his dad. I'm about to show all these people that I'm the best dad in the world. So I got peer pressured into jumping off this, like, 20-foot big balloon thing, right? You jump into the parachute. Oh, wow. And yeah. I roll up there, but I, I didn't act like I was peer pressured. I acted like, yo, I got this. Like, I'm going to be the coolest dad ever. And so I went to the yeah. big one right away because I wanted to show him. And then I got up there and I was like, this is serious. Like, this is serious. I mean, my son is nine. He jumps off real fast. And then I get up there and I look down and I'm like, I ain't going out like a chump. There's like a five-year-old behind me. I am not walking back down this ladder. So I'm about to jump. And it says specifically and very clearly, Slade, land on your back. 
like just land on your back. That's all. As I jump, I freak out in the air and I land on my feet <laughs> yeah. and take an impact, man, like a car crash. And I hit <laughs> and like my back compressed. I, I, I was blow. I was so mad and I knew I was hurt and, but I couldn't say it to my son. I couldn't say it to anybody. And I just walked off. Like I just, I mean, I literally, this impact was strong. Like I'm a, I'm not a small dude and 20 foot of me dropping onto my feet is a lot. And it, it hurt me, and it was the dumbest thing ever. I failed to peer pressure. I'm still hurting today. It's probably three or four yeah. weeks away. Tell us about tell us about a time when you did something so stupid, and maybe you haven't told anybody, and maybe Emily doesn't even know that you you succumbed to peer pressure, and now you could tell us the story. Well, I'm glad you're okay from that experience. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not okay yet. I'm not okay yet, Slade. I'm still hurting, man. My back, my back is still hurting, man. But I ain't trying to tell nobody. I just told all you guys, though. I I do remember, boy. You know, there's a big prank culture that's still going on, and boy, there's some some ugly sides to it. That's for sure. But I do remember. I still feel about. I wish I remember what woman this was that I did this to because I would love to take her out to dinner and. <laughs> find some way to make up for this. And it was, it was so stupid, but I remember they had an open house at the school when uh, parents could come in at the high school. I think I was in seventh grade at the time. And uh, you can come in, you know, walk around, see your kids projects and stuff. And, and I went and was hanging out with some friends back then that, you know, were just goofing off and daring each other to do stupid stuff. And I remember, I don't know if I could dare to do it or did, did it because I did it for a laugh and it was, we were walking, there were several of us walking together and there was this older woman that was coming and she was walking, I think maybe with her daughter or something, her granddaughter. And I leaned over and I screamed at her face just to scare her and thought my friends would think, Oh my God, it was horrible. Like what? I hate even telling. Why'd you do this to me, Kelly? So, but it, it was, it was just to be like, yeah, my buddies to laugh, you know, and they did, but boy, afterwards, they felt like still to this day, I feel horrible about that. She jumped and, uh, so yeah, peer pressure. I mean, it, it, it's a beast. We're all looking for some sense of belonging and, you know, obviously it's from our peer groups at that age and boy, I'm sure that was one of many that I've, I've done. So. I, I think Slade, what we're going to do on your second episode on the podcast, we're going to find that woman. And we're gonna find that we're gonna find that woman. And we're gonna reunite you. But when I'm, I'm not gonna tell her you're gonna be on. But then I'm gonna have you jump out of a closet or something and scare her. Scare, scares are really scares are really really good things, man. I mean, it's hilarious. It's hilarious. But I know what you're talking about because you know doing little things like that as kids. So help me with this too, man. So um, and when I say this, I know where people go right away. So I wanna I wanna help you with this right off the bat. Okay. Um, okay. So, and this is, a, this, I'm, I'm the king of transitions at like awful transitions. Cause we just went from something funny and <laughs> I don't know even how I'm going to transition this. So I'm just going to go for it. I think you should keep the smile going. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, I'm, not la- I'm not laughing at this situation. My mom passed away three yeah. years ago. Okay. So when my mom passed away, she told me specifically, like right afterwards, my brother called me and I went into the bathroom and my mom spoke to me right away. And she told me, I'm okay. My body is good. I'm with Jesus. 
please tell your dad that he did everything in his power and I'm good. I'm in a great place. My body is healed and I am hanging with who I want to hang with right now. So I'm good. Wow. Right. Yeah. So she tells me this afterwards and she tells me this not only uh, audibly, but she tells me this through my hand. So I wrote it out. I wrote afterwards. She spoke to me. When I told people that my mom passed away, people were like, oh, I'm so sorry. And my response, (laughs) my response always was, well, you didn't do it. And if you did, then we would have a problem. Okay. (laughs) So (laughs) what it did is help the person to realize that, guys, I don't need you to hug me right now. I'm good. My mom's in a better place. And honestly, like if I called my mom right now in heaven and was like, yo, mom, I really miss you and I need you back here. She'd be like, boy, I ain't going back to that ghetto ass place on earth. I'm sitting here with the king of kings. You know what I'm saying? So tell me about how, like when someone rolls up on you and they do all the time, I know this, and they look and they see your hand, right? So you see one hand, they see the other and they, they look at it and then they try and fumble around. What is your response to bring them into Slade Joy? Tell us about that. When, do you mean when they're fumbling around with words? Like to, when they're fumbling with words or they say something stupid because you know that they do. Like we all do. Like, oh, oh, no, what, you know, what do you say to break the silence? Because you are a guy who makes everyone feel so comfortable in the environment. Do you have something that's set aside? Like I have that. It's a go-to. When someone, when I say something about my mom and I say, oh, she passed away three years ago. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm like, you didn't do it. Um, you know, and if you did, we'd have a problem. And they literally, they just start laughing and then we can yeah. move on. Is there things yeah. that you have in your repertoire that you go to? And are there ones that you want to say that you haven't, that you'll share with us today on the podcast? Just like that lady <laughs> that you scared that you probably traumatized her daughter to. Yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> so yeah, there, there, there is, um, it's some. It's just like you said with, with uh, the approach you take with your mom's passing, and laughter is fantastic medicine for so many situations. So definitely, I do try to. I I, what anytime I can joke about it, it's great. Especially in a, that type of situation where someone noticeably has some discomfort about bringing it up or talking about it. So I'll, a lot of times I'll I'll make a some kind of reference to to how that I lost it somehow without, you know, without, that's not true necessarily, but to get a laugh, like I know I've used in the past when I've, uh, uh, friends that say that I should put this in like every presentation I do, but sometimes it's not quite appropriate. But when I was younger, uh, I remember, uh, kids coming up to me on the playground, like we talked about earlier, kids will always come right up to you and ask, and they say, what happened to your hand? And I, I'd be like, you know, I'd do it to mess with the kids a little younger than me. I mean, maybe be like six, seven years old. They'd be like four or five. And I'd be like, oh, my God, hey, you got to help me find it. My mom's going to kill me if I show back up home like this. <laughs> so, so they, you know, most of the time the kids go, a lot of times they go running away. But I remember this one time, and this is probably the last time I did it. This one young kid, he said, uh, he's like, oh, sure, I'll help you. And he went walking around. They had these big tractor tires on this playground that we said, yeah, they, you know, playgrounds were a lot different when we were younger, right? <laughs> way different. And uh, so they have these tra- stacks of tractor tires that you climb up and play around. He walked around the back of them and he literally yelled out, I found it. And I don't know what he found, but that day I ran home screaming. You know, I was, <laughs> that was, I think, probably the last time I ever used that with a kid, you know. But, so anything I can say to, to, to you know, break that up with, with humor, just like you do, it is, is great. But I genuinely love people. And I think people can feel that when they come up to me. Like, I love talking to people. I love getting the chance to spend time with people 
especially if they're feeling good about something that they, that we're experiencing together, like about the performance or just, you know, they, they just want to talk because they've seen you play whatever it, it's wonderful to share that moment. So I think the natural air of me welcoming them and being excited to talk to them as well helps to dispel any kind of discomfort or at least a a good portion of it. I'd like to think that, (laughs) but if, if it's not, then joking around about it certainly offers uh, some relief. (laughs) So Slade, help me with this too. Who gave you permission to be arguably, I mean, I'm going to say this, if you said it, it would be like you're beating your chest, arguably one of the best drummers in the industry. Who gave you, who gave you the permission to do that? Because most of the time, if you came in, and for those of you listening, which I've already said it, Slade has one hand. And a one-handed guy coming up to me and being like, yo, I'm going to be a drummer. I'm going to be like, uh, good luck with that one. Um, before I met you, obviously. But I'm going to say, like, it, you know, yes, it can happen, but uh, maybe you might want to take another course or whatever it is. This is what most people's mentality is. Who gave you the permission when you said, I want to be a drummer and I'm going to be a rock star and I'm going to be the one of the best in the business when most people are dealing with two and I'm dealing with one? Who gave you that permission? Well, the real answer is myself. Uh, so that, but that, that was quite a journey in itself. And, and to contrast that when I was younger, we had a third grade, we were able to pick an instrument. I always wanted to play music. I was always, you know, jumping on the bed, singing and, you know, banging on stuff. So when it came time to pick an instrument and, and have the opportunity to, to play in band, I wanted, I, they said, pick an instrument. What's your instrument of choice? And I said, drums immediately without hesitation. <laughs> and, and the teacher at the time said, we got too many drummers, pick another one. And I was a pushover back then, big, big time. So, so I said, you know, I, I just was thinking and thinking. And I remember seeing brass, uh, you know, around at like my family's place. And I remember, I think I remember seeing uh, my great uncle Fane, who was such a big influence on me, especially musically and with his personality. He had a, he had a, a trumpet hanging at his house and I would see on the wall all the time. So I, I said trumpet. And that was my first instrument. I played trumpet for years, but it, it was in a, a begrudging sort of manner because I wanted to play drums. And it took me many, many years uh, later until uh, one of the best musicians I've ever played with or met in my life was my cousin, Shane Hatter. And he, he passed away a few years ago and I miss him dearly. He's, he, he was a phenomenal influence on me growing up. And uh, he got a drum set I think I was about 10 or 11 years old and he had it in his, his uh, parents' basement. And he, I remember going over one day and he's like, come on down. I want to show you something. So I go down. He was probably, he would have been like 15 at the time, 14, 15. So I'm like, wow. I remember it shining, you know, the angel singing the shaft of light. I mean, it was like, well, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. So he gets down he plays the while. He was just a natural musician. He just, he could play anything. So he sat down and played a bunch, probably played Rush, you know, probably played the Tom Sawyer, I think, the first time. <laughs> and uh, and uh, and then he's like, do you want to get back here? And I remember feeling kind of timid, you know, and he's like, come on, come back here. So I go back there. And I, I used to, when I wore long sleeves, I would roll my sleeve up. Still do, I just do it a little differently um, rather than having clothes modified or something. So I rolled my sleeve rolled up on my left arm and I sat behind there. And at first I was just banging around, you know, with one with one hand. 
And then he's like, I remember Shane saying something like, isn't there a way you could do it with two? And I, I tucked the drumstick in the, in my sleeve and started hitting like that. And I was like, wow, this, this is pretty awesome. It felt really good. And of course the drumstick kept falling out because there's none of tension. So I just remember that feeling. And, and I remember Shane saying, Hey man, you could do this. If you really want to, we could like, you could figure this out. You could, you could do this. Like, and I remember feeling good about it and then recoiling and contracting back into me like, nah, I don't know. That'd be weird. And people are going to think it's weird. And I went for years thinking about that without actually uh, chasing down any of that great feeling that I had when I was sitting down behind the drum set. And it wasn't until years later until I, uh, until a good friend of mine, uh, Pat Poyer, he, uh, he and his brother Nate Poyer, two of my good friends, they were actually probably there when I screamed at that poor woman. <laughs> and uh, and uh, um, they got it. Same thing. He just per- kind of just purchased a drum set. It was sitting upstairs uh, in their attic and uh, over at their parents' place. And I went over and he's like, don't sit behind it. He played for a little bit, sit behind it. And I sat back there. And I remember there was like some tape laying around. I think it was like electrical tape or something. So I grabbed it and I, I like wrapped the tape up quick because I thought it's just going to fall out the sleeve again. And I started noodling around and he really wasn't paying a whole lot of attention. And then the, I remember him kind of turning around going, yo, I didn't know you knew how to play drums. And I was like, I didn't know either. Like, I, I, like it just felt so good. It felt so at home. I, I remember just thinking, what have I seen people on, on TV do? What have they seen like at concerts and stuff? And I just remember thinking, well, this is what I think I saw. And, and it was like, I was finding patterns and rhythms and stuff. And I was like, wow, this could really work. And I just felt that same exhilaration all over again. So, so that, that was, a that was, a, and then I experimented with different tapes and now I, I utilize like a gauze tape with, with medical tape. And I've played six hours straight like that without taking a break. Done that a few times where we played three, four, well, we play often play three hour shows, but we played four or five hour shows up to six hours already straight without, without that, Maybe I'll have to throw another band around or something in between songs. I'm kind of keeping the kick drum going, but uh, but uh, it, it holds up really well. And I've got a lot of a lot of respect and credit to give to the people around me that that help support and be a part of that transformation of that early stage of someone not giving me permission, basically, and me accepting that to a point where I was like, no, I give myself full permission to to allow this to be as much of a fruition as it can be in every moment that I'm in. So that's the, that's the air that I like to play with now. I want to say something real quick to you. I believe that someone out there that's listening to the podcast right now is going to create a, uh, a, some sort of apparatus that is going to make it easier for you to be able to play drums and not only you, but other people that are, uh, you know, in a similar situation as you. I believe that that's going to happen. I believe that, that, that somebody is going to say, and they're going to get a hold of you and they're going to be like, look, I know you're not a good person because you scare women in uh, elementary schools. Um, but, you know, the fact that you're a good drummer, you know, kind of overrides the fact that your character isn't that good, um, you know, because you scare children and old, older, I won't say old women, because then I'll get in trouble too. Um, we are going <laughs> to reconcile with this woman at some point. <laughs> maybe, yeah, maybe what I'll, may, you know, what'll be funny is if her son was the one that developed the device. Dude, that would be, this would be, dude, this would be like a movie. This would be so hilarious. And then he gets to the point and he goes to present it to you and his mom sees you and is like, that's the guy. And then they run away, they run away and you never get it. And you have to keep taping their arm. That's what's going to happen. 
So what a great movie. <laughs> I'm telling you, and, and you know who's gonna star as the podcast host in this movie, Denzel Washington. Because that's who, oh, of course. Yeah, of course. Of course. That's what people say all the time. I, I get it all the time. I'm almost sick of it now. Um so Slade, Slade who who makes you feel bad like you make me feel bad? Meaning that like, okay. I, I got up this morning. I got up this morning. My heels kind of hurt a little bit. And I was like, damn, I'm sore. I'm a little sore to get out of bed. You know what I'm saying? And I got out of bed yeah. and I was like, I was like, man, I need to not be sore anymore. Maybe I need to not eat as many carbohydrates or whatever, you know, you do. And then I'm like, ah, oh, damn, I have a, uh, a podcast with Slade. I can't be mad about anything in life because this guy overcomes and he has the greatest attitude. Even when he has a bad day, he's still happy and present in the moment. <laughs> okay. So who does that to you? Is there anyone? I have another friend too. Hold on for a second. I have another friend. His, his name is Eric and Eric is like supermodel dude. He's a type one diabetic. He has, he has run from LA to New York which made me mad too, because it was possible. And on top of that, he's a top one diabetic. And then he did seven marathons in seven days on seven different continents. What? Okay, I don't, I don't even want to hang out with him. I don't want my wife to know him. You know what I'm saying? Because then she sees what's possible. I will not introduce you to my wife for a while, Slade, because then she's going to be like, you know what? Slade did it, and you should too. And I'm like, just don't talk about that anymore. But who... <laughs> Who makes you feel the way that I feel when I hang out with you? <laughs> you're, you're so kind, Kelly. I appreciate all of that. <laughs> uh, if you can't tell, Kelly's heavy laden in sarcasm with some of these comments. <laughs> but but I, I, uh, I have, oh my goodness, there's so many people that, but I know it's something that happens often where, where it, it definitely brings up some of those old, like, uh, low self self worth, uh, uh, tendencies sometimes where it's when people send me, they all these great drummers out there that are like kids, you know, they're, they're unbelievable. They, they came in to this world with this unbelievable ability. It seems like, and so people will be like, Hey, Slate, check this out. It'll be a four year old, you know, playing this drum solo, different time signatures that I can't even wrap my head around, you know? And I'm like, they uh, they said it because they think I'm going to really enjoy it, which is great. It's amazing to see, but it's also like, okay, I'll be outside burning my, you know, drum set and you know, picking up the guitar for a little bit until you send me a guitar video from a, a three-year-old that can play like, you know, mom's scene or something. But, but there are, there are many people that I, I feel humbled to be around and, and, and learn so much from. Um, I'm, I'm grateful to have so It's amazing. I, boy. It's, it's like the the, uh, the Grammy speech now. You're going to have to, like, cut me off. <laughs> so many, I, I've been fortunate because of how much of we, we've played uh, around uh, around the country and been exposed to so many people around the world um, through doing what I do that I've gotten to be friends with so many great drummers. I know uh, someone I really marvel at is my friend Mike Rentz, who has this incredible organization called uh, Upbeat Outreach, and he does drumming with... Um, children and uh, adults as well uh, with disability. And he talks about the way he's overcome uh, a lot of disability with, uh, with his drumming and his journey. And he goes out and takes drums out um, and teaches kids rhythm. And, and, you know, a lot of kids that are like me growing up that have uh, some kind of uh, uh, 
limb difference or, you know, they have some other um, situation that doesn't allow them to move in the same way that, that other, other people would. So, so he finds innovative and unique ways to think outside the box and, and have them drum and he does all this great work. So Mike Rent, he's a, and he's a phenomenal drummer himself, incredible personality and guy. And I, I, I threw Mike Rent, I got to meet and hang out with uh, Garrett Goodwin who drums for uh, Carrie Underwood. And uh, I want to shout out those guys. And he is, he's killing it. I mean, they're, I'm glad everyone's touring again and going out and, He's a phenomenal drummer and a great person. He's got his own charity that he does. And he is, uh, some of these people, like I listen to them drumming and I, I try and pick up what I can, but I have to, uh, uh, you know, be aware of those, those tendencies in myself to fall into that. Like, wow, you know, well, what, what am I going to do now? <laughs> you know, like and, uh, so there's so many, uh, LeVon Helm, uh, he's one of the reasons I do drum is because, and I, I, before he passed away, he's the drummer for the band and, and they, sang a lot of songs, wrote a lot for them. He was one of my great influences growing up, and I was thankful enough to get to meet him um, a few years before he passed away down in Philadelphia and get to tell him, hey, you're one of my heroes, man. He was, they say don't meet your heroes, but, boy, he was one of the nicest guys I've ever met in my life, and he gave, he just was super courteous and hospitable with me, and and uh, we talked drumming for a while. I got to meet his family, and, and there's just so many. Uh, I have so many heroes of, of different instruments and, and personalities as well. And I got to give you credit, Kelly. Um, I know you're great at deflecting away from, <laughs> from, from credit, but boy, what you're offering, I love, I love the medium of podcasting now and the ability to, we're in an information world now where, I mean, that, that is hitting people at a higher rate than just about any kind of other experience that you can have is the ability to access information instantaneously. So I love different mediums of positive outlets for creative information to build people up. And that's why I, I like, I know I was texting with you this the other night, but I just love that what you're offering, the content that you're offering and the people that you've had on here. Uh, some of these, these giants of industry that are, that are talking about their humanness and, you know, it's so easy to relate to their stories and their, and their, their comeuppance and the, the way that they've overcome so much in their life. And, it, it, I think it hits people at, at the core and, and I know it does me every time I hear these stories and, and I love being on both ends, both ends of that, that ability to share information with people who can relate on any level, any culture, any upbringing, any race and all the common things that keep us human and experiencing life in this way that if there's more outlets like this, that we have for great content to connect people and tell people that you have a gift and you have a voice and, and you're here to enjoy this and embrace all of life. And that I, that just, it invigorates me so much. So thank you for doing that. And thank you to all of your previous guests, your future guests. And I love this whole atmosphere of podcasting that, that puts so much positivity out into the world and helps to uh, connect people on levels that they previously might not have been able to. So uh, I, I'm happy to be a part of that. And I just want to take, take a moment to thank you to, for doing what you do. Uh, another pause for station identification and shameless promotion. This episode is also brought to you by Finley cars of Las Vegas. I tell you the next level in the car buying experience. And not only that, but the life of your car, the service that you're going to, uh, experience is incredible. It's Finley Volvo cars, uh, 
lv.com and also brought to you by uh, bling shine serum the only product on the market that will add weightless moisture strength and shine and the only uh, product that has the endorsement of my mama when i showed her all the features and benefits she smelled it and she said this is the greatest product that you've ever done and i thought mom do you not uh, look at the features and benefits she said no if it smells like that it must work and i tell you every single woman needs a little bit of bling in their life and this can be purchased at kellycardinasalon.com well, you're awesome, man. I mean, you're amazing. I don't want to hang out with you that much. Like I said, I mean, I'm going to keep you on the fray on the outside a little bit because I, I mean, I hung out with Jeremiah um, and most of the people that are listening right now, you guys heard his, uh, his episode. And honestly, I don't like to hang with him that much either because I mean, he's so powerful. He's so, he's such great. He can break out in song at any time. And I'm like, my wife is going to yeah. think this stuff is possible. You know what I'm saying? Like my wife will think that drumming is possible. It's not possible. Like in our family, it's not, um, or at least with me, um, it's not going to happen. And I'm probably not going to have, you know, your ability on the drums. I'm not going to have Jeremy's voice. So I just like to, you know, make sure that my wife knows the limitations. Um, and she's realistic. I'm just joking. with you. <laughs> so, so, do me the favor. Give me the three in your world, the three top drummers of all time. Oh my goodness. You are, you are awesome at putting people on this hot seat. That's for sure. <laughs> bringing the flames up. That's for sure. So all the rest of you drummers that don't get named, I'm going to give you his address. Um, and you know, you yeah, can shout yeah, them out. Exactly. Top, yeah. top three, top three, give them to me. Oh my goodness. Well, I'd have to put Levon Helm in there for sure because I would I wouldn't be a drummer probably without without him. And you know what? Uh, someone that taught me a lot about drums. These are these might be some some people in here that no one's ever heard of, or not many people have heard of. But I have to give credit to my other cousin who is a phenomenal musician and songwriter, songwriter, and multiple instruments, and he's a great drummer and in his own right, for sure. And he taught me a lot. Uh, I spent a lot of time with him. He showed me a lot about fills. He showed me a lot about rhythm and tapping into um, the backbone of, of the chemistry of what's happening on stage with other musicians. And that's my cousin, John Langle. He's, he's, a, he's an amazing drummer. He drums for a band named Bikini, and he plays in that band with uh, several other really good friends. And I consider them family. So I would say that he, he, he would be in there as well because he's such a solid drummer and he's taught me a lot about drumming. So as a favorite, just on a personal level, he's certainly in there. And boy, oh boy. There's one that... I really love uh, Carter Beaufort, uh, drums for Dave Matthews Band. Mm-hmm. I learned a lot from listening to him. I'd love to meet him one day and shake his hand and just thank him in person uh, for how much I have learned from his drumming. Uh, he taught me so much about ghost notes and 16s and how to break up rhythms to keep the same uh, cohesion together. And he's got such a unbelievable ability to express soul and power through dynamics as opposed to volume. In drumming, and I think about that a lot when I'm playing. And uh, Jair's great for this too. We we talk a lot about dynamics and and controlling the power and the chemistry of what's going on on stage, so that the audience can get the absolute most out of the experience of the performance. 
through the dynamics, through the feel of it, and being able to move with with that feel as opposed to just getting louder or softer. And that means a lot. And I, I learned a lot of that from listening and watching Carter play. So, so with the, at the risk of being accosted by many other superb drummers, <laughs> I'll put those on my temporary list and maybe I'll, I'll modify it by the next time we talk. <laughs> so who would you say, because we all have the, these things like for me, um, uh, you know, perform, I don't know what I'm going to do. Um, but you know, I want to, I want to perform in front of hundreds of thousands of people. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't have any talents, um, at all. Uh, but I, I would like to just run out there and maybe spray champagne uh, on the crowd or something. Um, yeah. but there, there's people that you want to hang with. There's, there's like that, that, that list of people that you're like, yo, I want to hang. I want to do that. Like for me in the podcasting space, I think bar none, the greatest on the planet is Jalen and Jacoby. Like having Jalen and Jacoby on the show, which we will at some point, it's going to happen. I'm going to make sure that that happens. And to be on their show would be like, holy, like that's the holy grail, right? To be able to do that. Yeah, yeah. For me, also inside the NBA. Inside the NBA with Shaq, Kenny, um, uh, Charles Barkley, and Ernie. Like that, like to be in the studio with them. Phenomenal. Give me your top three performers that would be that bucket list dream like yo and they said you know Slade our drummer's down we need you to step in give me the three bands that if they did that you would just oh my goodness oh wow and they could be past or present they could be dead they could be alive um or you know some people are you know there, it's arguable that they still are. So it could be, we could be talking Tupac here. Yeah. Wow. Well, I, I uh, grew up a lot with so many different musical influences. Um, as a lot of musicians do. And I would say uh, Bob Dylan's one of my favorite songwriters of all time. I love his songwriting. Absolutely. I'm a songwriter as well. And I've tried to steal a few tricks from him, but boy, (laughs) uh, he, his songwriting blows me away every time. Um, so maybe just for the pure aspect of how much I regard and respect his songwriting, uh, maybe, maybe Bob Dylan, (laughs) uh, and, uh, boy, I love, uh, I grew up, a with big influence from the jam band scene. You know, a lot of my first bands were jam bands and, uh, I still have a special place in my heart for jam bands. So, uh, so I would say that, you know, dead and company's doing some amazing things now and dead, the dead really, uh, they really, uh, inspired me. I, 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 a lot of times when I'm drumming because they would use, uh, the two drummers, you know, Kreutzmann and Hart, I would, whenever I was in a jam band type setting or some setting that allowed for it, and I thought it was appropriate for whatever song I was playing, I would try and incorporate, um, some Tom work, some, you know, some other, or some symbol work that doubled up and it sounded as though in corp was a, a two drummer type of atmosphere because I love the, I love the dynamics of, of two drummers, you know, same with the Almond brothers. There's so many great uh, two drummer bands, but, uh, so, but Dead and company, man, I, I love listening to them. So, 
any any iteration of of the dead over the years would probably be on there as well. And wow, uh, you know, I, I really have to think think about that. I love what I do. I love what I currently do playing with Jer. It, it's incredible. We, he and I have a very similar. Uh, we talk about it a lot. Uh, the uh, the mentality of what what a good show how, how a good show can be put together and presented to people for the best benefit for the the people and the musicians on stage and and uh, that may sound like a bit of a cop out answer yeah. but I still love right where I am so, <laughs> so I, being being in, the, being in the band that I'm in right now I'm I am really enjoying seeing what comes of it and, and uh, boy getting on stage with those guys and playing. It's one of my favorite things in the world to do. Well, Jeremiah, so. uh, for those of you listening, he's talking about Jeremiah James and the revival. Am I correct? Absolutely. Yep. And I tell you, I believe that your band is, it's the one that's going to bubble. Like it's going it, it, to, it, I, I told this to Jeremiah, I said, it's not a if, it's a when. And the power that you guys have, the power in his voice, I've never heard a voice that powerful before. Never, yeah. never. Yeah. And there's certain times when it hits, like it, I mean, it hits and he's like, you could feel him just free. Yeah. And to see you and the energy that you have, the, well, I mean, seriously, Jeremiah James and the revival guys, you have to listen to this now. Top two. <laughs> greatest flautist of all time. <laughs> Oh, you're great, Kelly. <laughs> he, hey, ladies and gentlemen, he cannot answer that because he doesn't know that many flautists. And no one in the history of man has ever come up after a concert and said that they in, were inspired to play the flute. So I just want to let you know that with Slade. This is, this is a correction from earlier. He can retract the statement, but I don't believe this has ever happened. Emily is probably in the room and she can hear me. So, Emily, I know that none of your friends have been like, you know what, I was really thinking about playing the flute, and uh, Slade has really taken me over the top. Uh, do you have two top two flautists in the world? Uh, I probably would have to name the flautist <laughs> from my high school band, honestly. But, but I, I, hey, shout out to flutes, though. It. Shout out to flutes. I thought when you yeah. said that your, your band teacher wouldn't let you play the drums, I was like, wow, he's about to say I picked up the flute. But you didn't. You didn't. You didn't. <laughs> I did. Okay. No, you, I, but I do love some Jethro Tull. Jethro okay. Tull is phenomenal. Right. So. He, yeah, some, fla <laughs> some, fla some flout, 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 some floutus. So, um, <laughs> so uh, I'm, like I told you, I'm the king of transitions. So, you got 30 seconds. You got 30 seconds. You got a kid struggling with anxiety and depression. What do you say to him? First of all, I've been there. Absolutely have been there. And I, I uh, while I'm not having the same experience as them, I would definitely be able to relate on that level of understanding what the anxiety and stress is like. So... Uh, if there's anyone out there that's dealing with that, my what what has helped me through that is the acceptance of it. First off, is I'm just getting to be a, 
in a place where you're comfortable and you can really feel into it, even if it scares, even if it hurts, even if it brings on more emotions, that ability to wrap some loving arms around it and, and feel it, even if you don't fully understand it, is the first big step in walking through it. And it's just like fear. Um, I used to think that bravery and courage were based on not having fear. And the more I understand about fear, the more I see that courage and bravery is the ability to walk through it, to embrace it and walk through it, even though that, that fear is there. And I, I, from what I have seen in my own life, anxiety and stress and depression is encased pretty heavily in fear. And so that's a, a big factor in it. And anyone who's out there who's having any kind of trouble with that, uh, certainly share it with someone. That is the, the one of the uh, greatest helps in getting aid because it isolates. Fear definitely isolates. Anxiety can isolate. Depression can really isolate. And you can that loneliness can only play on it further. So if you're dealing with that in any way, shape, or form, reach out to anybody. Um, reach out to me. Uh, you're welcome to reach out to me on social media, email, um, any way that you'd like to. I think, uh, Kelly, you'll, be, you'll have some of my uh, contact information listed. But um, Or if you don't feel comfortable with that, friends, family, even just someone that you can share that with. Or even just talking, talking, talking it out loud. Share it with yourself. Talk it out with yourself uh, just to uh, create some kind of space of acceptance around it. And the more you do that, the more you'll understand it. And the more you'll be able to have that be a part of your experience that doesn't debilitate you, it can help to enrich your life through the transformation of that into greater and greater love. So I'm going to give you another scenario. you got a kid who's different, right? Maybe they're missing a limb. Maybe they're missing an ear. Maybe their, you know, they, they, you know, their eyes are off or, you know, they can't see or they can't hear or whatever it is. But they're different. And it doesn't mean that it's just physical. It maybe means that their parents can't buy them the clothes that they wanted and they're different. Um, maybe they're a little smarter than everybody. Maybe they read slower. Um, maybe they talk uh, with a, a little impediment. Um, maybe they can't recognize math. Maybe they see it backwards. But the fact that they're just different. What do you say to that kid? I say you've got a superhero cape and you don't even know it. There's such power in that. And I, like I said earlier, I've been on both sides of that. So I love talking to kids who have something like that that's noticeable or that they're very aware of because usually it's first form it takes is, you know, of, of having some negativity associated with that, uh, just like it did for me. And then the more that gets, the more that becomes a part of their experience in life as they accept more about themselves and go through life and learn to work with it and, uh, and have it be a part of their, how they express themselves in life creatively, socially, intellectually, the more they'll understand that that is a, a part of what makes them 
you? What makes you, you, you? It's so, such an amazing, everyone is so different and we're all, the, and that's what makes us so much the same. But if you have that, just know that it is a superpower that's latent inside of you because that will be the perfect fertile ground. It's the perfect area to get around and play through life and understand how that unique voice gets to express itself in the world around you. And that unique voice is what everyone needs to see and everyone needs to hear. It makes us all greater, enriches all of our lives. And you'll start to see how that can be an inspiration to other people. And that leads to aspiration, at least to perspiration and adoration. It's a, it's a formula that brings about so much joy in life. And, and it's understandable to have any kind of negative feelings associated with feeling different in that way. But the more and more you live with that and through that, the more you get to be a shining light for other people who feel different and can tap into their own differences and, and understand how they can come to terms with it and express themselves through it in the world around them. So it is a definite superpower. And I think about it a, a lot in terms of advertising. I mean, how much money goes into advertising every year? It's unbelievable. Every day, every moment. And you know, what everyone's looking for when they're marketing a product or a service is, is attention. You just want attention for a moment, you know, five seconds driving by a billboard, you know, what's that cost to get that kind of attention for a moment. And, you know, someone like me or someone like a, a kid who has a, you know, a speech impediment or is in a wheelchair or, or, um, or has some kind of a, you know, skin difference or, uh, or any, anything that makes them really unique. They have that attention built in naturally there. I, I think about it a lot. I, I really appreciate you saying the nice things you did about my drumming, but sometimes I'll be drumming. I could be in a room drumming with someone who is light years beyond my ability. They're going into like Afro Cuban root rhythms and stuff that I like polyrhythms that I can't comprehend. And it's wild because a lot of people in that same room will generate their interest towards me because I'm so uniquely presented. And it might not be because I'm a better drummer ability wise. It's just because I, I present differently and there's that attention that, that that's garnered for it. And so when I see these kids and I get to work with some of these kids who have these noticeable differences, I'm like, you've got it. You, you are that billboard. You're what everyone wishes they could pay to experience, you know, to draw some attention to them. So, you know, work it, man, work it, girl, you know, just that's, that's your superpower. The more you express and show yourself through that in the world around you, the, the greater you're going to feel not only about your own abilities, but about helping and serving those around you. And then that fire is going to get caught by someone. And that's going to mean something to someone else who can relate on that same level and, and feel a little closer to themselves and more expressive through their uniqueness. And, and boy, it just goes round and round and round. And, and it's unbelievable how much you can change, not necessarily in the world at large, but in someone's world by just a moment of that connection. So I try to say that to as many kids as I can who have those noticeable differences. It is a true superpower. And the more that I can generate them to understand that and, and accept that about themselves, I think the happier they'll be and, and the people around them will be. Slade, the reason why I started the podcast, and you know what's coming, 
I started it because a nine-year-old, nine-year-old little superhero that runs around in some draws. He gets in his little dentin ass and he runs around and he's does whatever he wants, whenever he wants, and he just loves on everybody. He was jumping up and down on the river yesterday. Um, he wears his hair the way that he wants. He's got like five dreads. He named them all. One's called Big Chungus. One's called Skinny Boy, and one's called What's Up. Um, he named all his dreads, and he just is that guy. Um, my daughter is 12 and she is such a, a phenomenal artist. Um, I believe that she has untapped musical talent. Uh, I mean, she hasn't, she hasn't tapped into it, but I believe that she has it. And, but she's just a lover of everything. She's got such a phenomenal heart and she's such a sensitive, uh, individual. Well, I wanted to take on the podcast. I wanted to, the whole reason why I created it is because I want to take iconic people like yourself and show them that you're human, that you got blood running through your veins, that you're a human being that you deal with tough things, but you overcome because of two main things that I've seen in every single person that I've ever spent time with. Attitude and hard work. That's it. That's it. And it is so simple. So if you could use their names, Maddox and McKenna, Maddox is the nine-year-old, McKenna's the 12. If you could look at it in the screen, use their names, what advice would you give to Maddox and McKenna? Well, first off, I do want to, I think that's amazing. I, I think a lot about what I do with, uh, with, with drumming and with uh, touring and stuff and the dynamics at home. My son, Mason, I, I'm regularly coming back to how is this going to affect him? Where is this going to land with him? How is it going to influence him and build his character? And so I love that you started the podcast. It's, it's very touching. It's me in the heart, and I love that. So I just wanted to say that. So Maddox and McKenna. First off, I'm sure you're enjoying and hopefully appreciating this wonderful gift that your that your dad has given you, and uh, hopefully you're garnering some great advice, suggestions, and just experience and and stories to to take with you on your journey through life with uh, this podcast that's created for you. So that's wonderful. What I would say is that each of you has your own special, unique gift and passion that hopefully you're experiencing on wonderful levels already in your life. But what I would love to, for you is to, along with the great advice and suggestions and stories that you're hearing from, from this great podcast, I would love for you to continue to look inside yourself as well and find that power, that love, that embrace in your heart and your mind and your soul that is guiding you through life and, and pay closer and closer attention to you, to your own heart and your own heart, mind, and your own soul so that you can do what you love in this life and find your unique voice and sing it out, whether that's in arts in science and what, whatever form that takes, whatever brings you joy and makes you feel the absolute happiest. I hope that you find that. I know you'll find it and continue to do it for yourself so that it can be done for the world around you and everyone can enjoy and benefit from the love you have for yourself, the celebration you have for yourself and being yourself in this great world. So I hope that and wish that for you and I hope to meet you guys someday. 
You will. You definitely will. Uh, they're gonna. They actually go to school with the child of that lady you scared. Um, so, they, <laughs> 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 and they had talked about it. The kid was traumatized. They grew up, and they were like, "Oh man." You know, I'm, yeah, having, some, I'm yeah, having some issues, sure. having some issues. And I was like, wow, what, what's going on? She's like, man, this, this little seventh grader, you know, he jumped out and scared my mom and it just changed things forever for me. Um, I was on the path to be the president and, you know, now, now uh, that's not part of my dream anymore. Um, but then, and thank you, Slade, for doing that. I, I we appreciate it, man. I'm joking with you, man. You I, honestly, like you're, you're a joy, dude. Like it permeates at such a high level. Um, I do want to ask you, I mean, it was something that you said, and, and you, you asked me about it, but as I've been looking at it, right, so before we started recording, everyone that's listening, before we started recording, I asked Slade, I said, is there a title that you have all these things? And, and, and you said something, and it was a couple words, it was a statement, and you said it, and then it's, there's a thing when you sing a song, Right? There's a, when you cover somebody's song, there's a time when you cover somebody's song and you're like, I'm going at it. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is my song. Then there's other times when you're doing the song and you're like, you know, it's not my song audience. I do it, but it isn't really me. You know, you know the difference in that. You said this to me. You said this, this, uh, this sentence. And when you said it, I don't know if you really believed it at the time, but after, and I wasn't even going to incorporate this, but after hearing you, you need to own this. You need to, <laughs> wa- you need to walk in it. It needs to become your song. This is not anybody else's song anymore. At the beginning of the podcast, it was. That's why I stayed away from it the whole time. I didn't ask you this question. I didn't even mention it. But yeah. in what you embody, what you permeate, and I'm going to say it, and then I want you to expand it a little bit for me. Grace is every breath. Yeah. Yeah. It completely is. One thing that I have recognized in all of my experience, like I talked earlier, was that that depth inside of knowing, of awareness, and of that meditation has helped me to understand and prayer and, and self-inquiry. And the more, the deeper I went inside, the louder and more beautiful grace became in that world and the world around me. And it permeated and became a part of everything. And so grace is every breath. I said that with that in mind, And the more experience that I have in all that I do, the more grace seems to shine. Uh, We don't know. We don't know the full truth of every moment unless we are the moment. And then the moment is the truth. And, that grace of just being completely enraptured in the moment takes my breath away. But it is that very breath of life. And that depth of experience, that grace, if we can allow that to 
be the continual presence and expression of our everyday life, then we begin to know peace and love and equanimity on a whole other level than we've ever perceived it before. And that depth, that truth, that, that deep longing and knowing inside of us, it's, uh, it's alive in every moment and it's in all of us. So it is definitely a grace. It is definitely in every breath. And the more we know it and come to it and meet it where it is in this moment, the happier and more joyous our life will be. So that was some, what of what I meant behind saying that before we started the recording. Well, and what I, I hope that clarifies and well, <laughs> a little it's, bit. It's great. It's, it's great. And what I want you to, uh, to know is, as you know, as I, as I read it and I read it a bunch of times while I'm sitting here, cause I have it on my notes. Um, as I, as I read it, 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 it started to develop and it developed over the last, you know, hour and a half. Um, but I want you to, I, I believe that that's going to be the next thing. That's going to, that's going to be a, um, I'm not into a catchphrase guy. I'm not that guy. Um, people always try to box me in like that. They'd be like, Oh, what's your thing? And I was like, my thing is what happened to me today. Like today, I, today I stepped in dookie. Right. And if I step in dookie, I can think about it in one of two ways. One is, man, that made my shoe nasty and it stinks. Or I could think, wow, that's some fertilizer for the seeds that I didn't even know that I planted. And yeah. so I can yeah. work off the day. I want to work off the day. I want to, I don't want to have a thing that I go to every single time. But, and I'm not saying that it's going to be your thing, but I think that it is going to be a thing. And it's going to, it, it's going to rise. Grace is every breath is going to rise because that's who you are. It's what you, I mean, you said it the whole time, every answer that you had, you were speaking grace in every single breath that you had when you said that you were, you know, if you're mad, you enjoy being mad. Like you make me, you make me mad right now because now I'm going to have to be joyous about being mad. Like when I get frustrated. Right. So I want to, I want to thank you, man. You're, you're an icon. Um, if you're a band out there and you're listening, um, I think that you need to have Jeremiah James and the Revival on your ticket. Like you, you guys need to have because it brings a completely different energy. Um, you need to get in touch if you're an aspiring. Uh, you know, if you're an aspiring musician, you need to study this guy. You need to reach out to Slade Heller, Slade dot Heller on Instagram, on Facebook at Slade Heller. He's gonna get on LinkedIn, SladeHeller.com. If you want to have him speak to your school, to your organization, you need to reach out. This guy is the real deal. And there's very few people in the world that literally just live what they do. And people always talked about, you know, that you need to practice what you preach. And I just believe that you need to preach what you practice. Only talk about the things that you're doing. And it's so evident, Slade, that you only talk about what you do because it all comes from your heart. And so there's no canned message that you have, anything like that. But your message is so very, very, very strong. And I want to thank you for that. So all the people out there uh, listening, guys, uh, you know what to do now. You need to click the links. You need to hit the subscribe buttons. You need to patronize all our sponsors. You need to do all that stuff. You know what you should be doing. But also what I'm going to ask you to do is I'm going to ask you to share this with somebody who needs to hear it. If you got a, a, a son, a daughter, a friend, someone in your, in, in your life that's struggling with anxiety and depression, you need to have them listen to this podcast. You need to have them get in touch with Slate. If you have a, a, a kid who has a superpower 
but doesn't has not put on their cape yet. Maybe they're yeah. a little bit different. And they need to hear Slade's voice and see his example and see how he's living at such a high level. And it's not an accomplishment, it's an acceptance. He's not looking to accomplish this and that. He's accepting his own greatness and his own superpowers. And I ask you, every one of you out there, you need to share it with every single person that you possibly can. And I want to thank you, Slade, for being on the show. You're going to be on a second one and a third one and a fourth one, and we're going to have you all the time. And I'd like to have you and Jeremiah play here, which would be awesome. That would be great. It would yeah. be amazing. But I want to thank you, and you're honestly, you're, you have been absolutely phenomenal. Um, and you're officially off the hot seat, my man. Thank you, Kelly, so much. <laughs>